Good morning and welcome to my podcast on www.garginigeopolitics.com. My name is Dr. Jonathan Gargani. I'm an academic scholar who specializes on the diplomatic history of the Middle East and on issues pertaining to geopolitics. In this, post, in this podcast, we uh, discuss issues pertaining to geopolitics, international affairs, such as the Arab-Israeli normalization process, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the issue with Iran, uh, Ukraine, Russia, and so forth. Uh, but today, I will be talking about um, a recent regional, uh, the recent regional summit that took place in Sdebokir on March 27 and March 28, 2022. Uh, this summit was uh, of, historic, uh, of historic significance. It was uh, unprecedented given the fact that for the first time, four, the, the, um, four ministers of four Arab states attended a summit in Israel, hosted by Israel. Um, and um, of course, I'm um, talking about uh, e uh, Egypt, Bahrain, Morocco, and the UAE. And uh, they said it is of historic proportion and could potentially change the uh, new the the, the 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 reality on the ground in the Middle East. And um, this summit would have been thinkable even two years ago, given the fact that the normalization process uh, have not happened uh, to uh, just happened only uh, less than two years ago. Uh, but before we uh, delve into the details of the summits and its ramification for the region, we need to go back in time and address the history of um, the Arab-Israeli relations, the Arab-Israeli conflict. Uh, so we need to go back actually to 1948 exactly with the, the start, with the start of the, the, uh, the War of Independence, uh, which resulted in um, Israeli victory. But uh, the Arab states refused to recognize Israel's right to exist and uh, negotiate peace with it. In fact, the, um, the war resulted in armistice agreements as opposed to peace treaties. Uh, and this is actually very significant given the fact that um, uh, a peace treaty would have entailed that the Arab states would recognize Israel's right to exist and normalize relations with it. Um, and... Um, After the armistice agreements were signed, the Arab states still refused uh, to recognize Israel's right to exist. And the fact that the conflict in the Middle East became part of the Cold War made it um, made the situation much more difficult on the ground, as they were the the, camp, the the Arab states were divided into two camps: one which was sponsored by the Soviet Union, namely Egypt, Syria, and other nationalist Arab nationalist regimes, uh, on the one hand, and on the other hand. The American, uh, the pro-American camps, mainly the uh, conservative uh, monarchies, and the the United States attempted to create what was, uh, uh, I mean, created uh, an alliance uh, more or less on, along the lines of NATO, uh, which was called the Baghdad Pact, which included uh, some um, uh, conservative uh, Muslim and Arab states such as Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, Turkey, and the UK. Uh, Israel, of course, was not invited, given the fact that the um, Eisenhower administration at the time uh, was reluctant to um, to, to to actually to improve ties with Israel, and so Israel as a burden in in the Cold War. The, the United States believed that uh, it should that it should uh, build ties with the Arab states instead of Israel at this point, and therefore. Uh, there were no attempts to bring Israel into the uh, into the Baghdad Pact, 
Uh, as, as regarding the multi, multilateral negotiations between Israel and the Arab states, at this stage it was not possible, as we've discussed it before, the Arab states were reluctant to uh, negotiate peace with Israel, um, and therefore a comprehensive Arab-Israeli peace at this stage was not possible. Now, after the, uh, the Six-Day War, Israel uh, captured several, I mean, uh, a significant amount of territories, mainly the West Bank uh, and the Gaza Strip, the Sinai Peninsula and the Golan Heights. Uh, and despite the fact that uh, Israel actually was willing to trade a significant portion of these territories for peace, the Arab states' responses at the time was that uh, they would not negotiate with Israel, not, 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 not make peace with Israel, and uh, not recognize Israel's right to exist. Uh, the, so, uh, it, was actually inter it was actually put forward in a policy uh, during the Khartoum summit of August 1967 called the Three, uh, the three Nose of Khartoum. Uh, and therefore, the prospect of a regional peace or normalization between Israel and the Arab states was still uh, very far off. But by 1977, uh, November 1977, when President uh, Anwar al-Sadat made a uh, historic visit to uh, Jerusalem, he actually broke a taboo by de facto being the first Arab leader to recognize Israel's right to exist. And uh, this uh, historic visit, to, his historic visit to Jerusalem, the fact that he addressed the parliament and said that he welcomed Israel in the region, changed the entire landscape. And it paved the way for the um, first Arab-Israeli peace agreements, known as the Cam um, David Accords, and subsequently the Israeli-Egyptian Peace Treaty, thanks to the Jimmy Carter mediation. And um, at the time, most of the Arab states boycotted Egypt with the exception of uh, Morocco and Oman, which supported the Cam David Accords and the Israeli-Egyptian Peace Treaty. But the, the vast majority of the Arab states rejected the, uh, the treaty and Egypt was expelled from the Arab League as a result of, the, uh, uh, of, this, of this peace treaty. And um, most of the Arab states have severed relations with Egypt. Uh, but nevertheless, um, the, uh, the Arab states' policy with regards to Israel in the, uh, would evolve eventually. Uh, the Madrid Peace Conference, in the aftermath of the, of the, uh, the Gulf War, uh, would indeed undoubtedly uh, change, the, again, change the reality on the ground. President Bush, 41, uh, uh, convened the Madrid uh, Peace Conference, which included for the first time, of course, bilateral negotiations between Israel and the bulk of the Arab states, including uh, Lebanon and Syria. But also, and this is actually something uh, very creative and uh, significant for the, for the region, the multilateral uh, format, which included um, issues which, are not so, uh, which were not related to politics, such as environment, water, refugees, arms control and economics. And uh, the, most of the Arab states actually participated in these negotiations with the, the notable exception of uh, Lebanon and Syria. These two states were indeed known as, the, uh, as, as, as members of the rejectionist group. And therefore, uh, for the first time Israel and the Arab states started to talk about issues pertaining to normalization. And the uh, Oslo Accords in 1993 and the Israeli-Jordanian Peace Treaty of October 26, 1994, would actually give further momentum to, uh, to the, um, uh, the multi multilateral process that took place and even enable partial normalization of uh, ties between Israel and several peripheral Arab states, namely Oman, Morocco, Qatar, and Tunisia. All these states opened 
uh, Interest Bureau and Liaison Bureau in uh, in, in the mid nineteen nineties, shortly after the, uh, the signing of these two historical codes. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, given the deterioration of ties uh, between Israel and the Palestinians in the aftermath of the Camp David summit of July two thousand, which resulted, uh, which subsequently, which subsequently led to the uh, second uh, so-called Second Intifada, led to the severing of ties between Israel and these peripheral Arab states. All of these states have decided to, in accordance with the Arab decision, to sever several relations, and again. This was uh, indeed a major setback in the region. Uh, nonetheless, in March 28, 2002, in the midst of a uh, wave of, of uh, violence and terrorism, uh, the Arab states, for the first time, uh, adopted a document uh, called the Arab Peace Initiative, which recognized Israel's right to exist on uh, the principle that Israel withdraw from the territories and that an agreed-upon solution should be uh, reached with regards with regard to the refugee issue. Of course, on the basis of Resolution 194, of course, Israel never really accepted the initiative given the fact that uh, it contained, ver- I mean, uh, language that it can, uh, I mean, an admissible language such as the uh, an agreed upon solution on the basis of Resolution 194, which meant the right of return. And of course, it was not accepted by Israel. But the fact that the Arab states were willing to recognize Israel's right to exist and normalize relations with it should Israel withdraw from all the territories, including the the West Bank or Judea and Samaria and the Gaza Strip as well as the eastern sector of Jerusalem means that there were that, that the Arab states policies vis-a-vis Israel have significantly evolved and um, this um, I mean the, the um, this the, the RPC initiative would become the basis the the, the foundation of the uh, uh, so-called, I mean, the normalization for uh, for for uh, the establishment. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, the um, sorry. Um, this the Arab Peace Initiative became the the basis of the foundation of the Arab policy until uh, the Abraham Accords, of uh, of course, meaning that they the Arab states would would agree to normalize relations with Israel. Should, as I've mentioned before, should it, should it make concessions on the uh, Palestinian issue, and most of the analysts until uh, the Abraham Accords were of the opinion that uh, the Arab states will not normalize relations until significant progress were made on the peace process. Now, in the aftermath of the signing of the uh, JCPOA, JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or the so-called Iranian Nuclear Deal, the Arab states became significantly concerned about um, the uh, Iranian nuclear program and its uh, nefarious involvement in the region, uh, such as its support for terrorist organizations such as Hezbollah and the Houthis in uh, in Yemen, and therefore, you could see at I mean we could see at, at this stage a converging of interest, a set of converging of interest between Israel and the Arab states, and uh, cooperation, at least tacit cooperation, started to emerge between Israel and several Gulf countries. Uh, for instance, Israel and uh, and the United Arab Emirates uh, participated in uh, an air combat exercise held in the United States called Red Flag, and it was the first time that uh, an air force from uh, from an Arab country particip- jointly participated with the uh, Israeli air force in such uh, exercise. Uh, more moreover, there were some reports, uh, actually confirmed reports, that. Um, Jordan received 16 AH-1 helicopters, combat helicopters from Israel, again un- uh, underscoring the, uh, the, ch- the changing reality in, uh, in the Middle East. Um, also, 
you had more you have more you had i mean th- there were significant interactions between former saudis and israeli officials uh, for instance general anwar eshki was was the uh, former director of uh, saudi intelligence agency uh, made an official visit to israel even met with knesset members but again reiterated uh, his uh, support for the rpc initiative initiative but uh, praised the uh, the, the um, potential um, uh, the potentiality of an improved arab israeli relations now um what changed of course is the abraham accords this was indeed the major the cornerstone of uh, this uh, uh, new emerging reality in the middle east uh, and what happened is w- w- it restarted when uh, the, the, um, the UAE ambassador to uh, the United States, His Excellency Yusuf Al-Otebi, uh, wrote an op-ed on Yediot Haronot, an Israeli uh, fam- uh, popular Israeli uh, news outlet, where he actually praised, the, uh, of course, the, the ties, the emerging ties between Israel and the UAE, acknowledged it, but again, state gave uh, the um, Israeli people a choice because at the time, Benjamin Netanyahu and his government were uh, talking about annexing uh, part of uh, the, the West Bank country in Samaria, mainly, mainly the Jordan Rift Valley and uh, the Southern Blocks, uh, in accordance with the Trump peace plan. But uh, what happened is, th- so uh, Mr. Yusuf Al-Otebi gave the Israeli public a choice whether to uh, continue with the annexation and uh, damage the uh, relations between the emerged, the, uh, this new, newly established relations between uh, the UAE and Israel permanently, or uh, moving forward, or ditching, or that Israel ditch the annexation plan and move, for, move forward, actually take the relations between the United Arab Emirates and Israel to the next level. And eventually Israel, uh, the Israeli government froze uh, the annexation plan indefinitely, paving the way for an agreement between uh, the UAE and Israel, which was announced on August 13th by the White House. And uh, eventually all the states uh, joined the Abraham Accords uh, a few weeks later, Bahrain joined the Abraham Accords, and uh, a ceremony was held in the White House on September 15, 2020, uh, and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was of attendance along with the um, United Arab Emirates Foreign Minister and the Bahraini Foreign Minister, as well as uh, President Trump and Jared Kushner. Um, and subsequently, Sudan joined the uh, joined the, uh, the Abraham Accords, as well as Morocco. In December 2020, Morocco was the last uh, Arab states to uh, join the Abraham Accords. Of course, uh, there uh, were some tr- uh, trade-offs as Morocco uh, gained the United States recognition of the Western Sahara as part of uh, its territory, as part of Moroccan sovereign territory, uh, in exchange for Morocco joining the Abraham Accords. And uh, until today, the Abraham Accords is, uh, have led actually have led to a full normalization of relations between Israel and the, and the Arab states. Israel cooperates with uh, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Morocco on a variety of uh, subjects such as economics, finance, uh, tourism, technology, aviation, and even defense and cyber defense. Uh, and uh, this led me now to the summit itself. Now we're going to discuss the uh, details of the summit. So, uh, as I've stated before, on March 27, 28, the summit, uh, the Negev summit of Deboker took place 
with the four ministers of Israel, Egypt, Morocco, the UAE, Bahrain, and the, and, uh, the United States uh, in attendance. Uh, Secretary, of State, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken praised the Obama Accord and stated that this is very important for the region for uh, to make the region more prosperous and that the uh, Obama Accords have paved the way for uh, an Israeli-Arab cooperation on a variety of issues as if, uh, such as aviation, uh, tourism, economy, defense, etc. Um, this uh, summit actually was uh, uh, very important, mainly with regards to the security archi architecture for the region. Prior to the summit, there were um, uh, a meeting between uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, and uh, Mohammed bin Zayed, uh, the Crown Prince of uh, the United Arab Emirates. Who, uh, and these three leaders held uh, a summit in Saint-Mercer discussing uh, regional issues mainly pertaining to security. And this is highly significant and underscore the fact that uh, these Arab countries see eye to eye when it comes to the Iranian threat. Um, and the, the summit was actually, of course it was not discussed publicly, but I would assume that the summit indeed led the foundation for what would, could be known as the Middle East Security Alliance which is um, not, not, not a formal alliance like NATO, but at least an architecture when Israel and, is, and uh, these Arab states could cooperate uh, on uh, many issues pertaining to uh, um, the uh, Iranian threat, such as its UAVs, uh, the, its UAVs capabilities, but also its missile, uh, ballistic missile capabilities and all the forms of malignant activities perpetrated by the Iranian regime, and um, of course, it could also include cooperation on intelligence sharing, missile defense, cyber defense, counterterrorism, etc. Indeed, perhaps uh, Israel could provide uh, a missile umbrella to the uh, to these Arab, to these uh, Arab states, which have been uh, the victims of uh, terrorist attacks by the Houthis, uh, especially the UAE and Saudi Arabia, and therefore. We could potentially see um, uh, much, much, much more or less more uh, like along the lines of NATO umbrella, actually the, the missile umbrella that the United States provide to its allies. And um, this, uh, yeah, this could definitely the summit is uh, is a game changer in terms of uh, security architecture for for the region. Now, uh, one very important uh, point that was not that uh, that I would like to address as well is the fact that Jordan was not uh, did not take part in the summit, despite the fact that there are strong security cooperation between Israel and Jordan, and this is possibly due to the fact that the Jordan the um, Jordanian government and uh, monarchy is very much uh, concerned with regards to the issue of the. To the Palestinian issue, the Palestinian issue is no longer a major concern uh, within the Arab world. But with regards to Jordan, given the fact that uh, more than 60% of its population is of Palestinian descent, the other uh, are from Arabian, uh, from the Arabian Peninsula, uh, and therefore uh, Jordan could, um, I mean, uh, felt, I mean, uh, did not attend, given the fact that they, they are very much they are still connected to this issue. Another point that is very important to mention is the uh, participation of Egypt. As in the past, the um, relations between Israel and Egypt have been uh, uh, very, I mean, quite cold. The uh, Egyptian-Israeli peace treaty was characterized in the 80s and 90s, and even early 2000, as a cold peace. Uh, but relations have been warming up since uh, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi uh, came to power in 2013. 
as Israel and Egypt cooperated on a variety of issues, again, pertaining to security, but also gas and tourism as well. Uh, and um, therefore, Egypt also saw itself uh, would like to take essential parts uh, in the uh, Abraham in the Abraham Accords axis. I mean, um, the um, would like to take the leadership of this uh, uh, of this axis. And now they also started start to see Iran as a main concern as a main concern for its security. In the past, Egypt took an independent line from the uh, from the Saudis or the Gulf states. And uh, they did not adopt a harsh uh, policy vis-à-vis -vis Iran, uh, but today it would appear that Egypt now is taking is taking the uh, Iranian threat much more uh, seriously, uh, given the fact that uh, the Houthis have uh, uh, have actually launched uh, direct attacks against uh, Saudi Arabia and the UAE, and also they would like to get support from the the Gulf states with economic supports and financial supports. Another important element uh, that took, that uh, happened as well is the fact that Israel, uh, for the first time, supported the sale of advanced aircraft to Egypt. In the past, Egypt um, have attempted to purchase F-15 from the United States, but uh, given the uh, Israeli veto, the, uh, the, uh, the the United States refused to provide such uh, such such an advanced platform to Egypt, given the fact that at, at this stage in the 1990s and early 2000, Egypt, uh, I mean during all military combat exercise, uh, Israel was the main uh, was was considered the, the enemy in uh, in uh, every military exercise held in Egypt. But uh, this, the situation has changed. Israel is no longer seen as, a, as an adversary by Egypt. On the contrary, it is seen as a partner and an ally uh, on, many, uh, on many issues. And therefore, uh, Egypt now is taking uh, a leadership role in, with regards to uh, the uh, Abraham Accords and the uh, Iranian threat. And we could see this cooperation growing and continuing despite the, some the, the recent turmoil in uh, uh, in Jerusalem, also another, another important point is is that the Arab state, the, the these four ministers from the Arab state, from these four Arab states, have um, actually condemned the terrorist attack that took place in Khadr unanimously, and this is also very important. Uh, now, for the future, as for the future, uh, there is one question which is important to ask: is whether Saudi Arabia will uh, join the uh, this alliance or this potential uh, alliance? Will Saudi Arabia join the Abraham Accords? And uh, this is actually a tricky question. Saudi Arabia, in, in the recent uh, uh, years, have um, started some conf confidence building measures with Israel. For instance, they have opened their airspace to um, uh, Indian um, Air India airliners on their way to Israel. Uh, recently, the uh, Israeli officials now can fly, can use the uh, Saudi air airspace on their way to the UAE and all airliners, actually even air uh, Israeli airliners can use Saudi airspace. Uh, when they are flying to the UAE, so technically speaking, the, um, the Saudis have opened their airspace to um, to Israeli aligners. Uh There were reports that uh, Mohammed bin Salman and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu met in uh, late 2021 uh, in the Red Sea in, uh, in the Red Sea resorts. But um, again, um, I, I believe that full normalization will uh, is unlikely to happen in the near future. It might happen. Uh, when Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman uh, 
will actually come to power and replace his father. But uh, this is actually something very important to discuss, the fact that we are talking about two different school of thoughts. One uh, school of thought supports normalization only one uh, only when Israel will uh, withdraw from all the territories uh, up to the 67 lines with land swaps. And this is the, uh, the school of thought advocated by uh, the current king, uh, King Salman. Well, Mohammed bin Salman, on the other hand, is uh, less attached to the Palestinian issue, and we could expect uh, significant changes uh, in terms of Saudi foreign policy toward Israel when uh, Mohammed bin Salman will uh, become king. And uh, we could expect, at this stage, full normalization of ties between Israel and uh, the Arab states. So, uh, well, this is actually it. This is it for the uh, for this uh, uh, episode for today. Uh, I would like to thank you, the listeners, for listening to this uh, podcast episode, and hope it was informative. Informative, and I also hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, in my next episode, uh, when we will discuss another fascinating uh, topic on issues pertaining to geopolitics. Thank you very much, and have a lovely day.